Welcome to How I Got Here, a podcast from the Graduate Northwestern exploring interesting journeys of young professionals working at exciting companies and the role that entrepreneurship played in getting them there. My name is Mike Rabb, and I love dissecting nonlinear and non-traditional career paths and the lessons that we can all take away from those who forge them. In this episode, I'm joined by David Oladort, a data analytics manager at Flexport in San Francisco. Early in his career, David got involved with a student-run business and quickly realized the benefits of having hands-on experience running a company. His work running a student storage company gained him an unsolicited offer to intern at a startup over the summer, which translated into a full-time job offer after school. In this conversation, we discuss the importance of diverse experiences, how to approach your job search, and how to think creatively about opportunities. I hope you enjoy this conversation with David Olador. So, David, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Of course. Happy to have you. Um, so I thought we could start with um, taking us back to when you were a freshman entering college. Um, what was your major and what did you think you were going to do after school? I was a mechanical engineer for two days. I joined Northwestern, really excited about working in mechanical engineering. And then I realized you can join industrial engineering and you don't have to study thermodynamics and fluid dynamics and organic chemistry and all these other areas that I realized I really love still basic science, but I liked more of the application of it towards uh, practical settings and in the business setting. And so falling into industrial engineering uh, was was perfect for me. It was a great way of applying. I often re- refer to it as essentially economics with an engineering bent, how to optimize and better quantify uh, the business logic that is floating out there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so it sounds like, first of all, that has to be one of the quickest major switches uh, <laughs> in history two days in. Um, and so at that point where you realize, you know, you're, you're interested in industrial engineering over kind of more of the hard sciences of mechanical engineering. And, um, did you know what you wanted to do after school at that point or was it still, I mean, it was a far, far ways away. So were you just kind of in exploration mode? Very much so. I, so throughout high school, I had taken on different internships, uh, in more of the research and engineering space. And that was when I began to realize that I I didn't want to do as much of the, the, the academic experience within engineering or, or deeper uh, research, but I wanted to be more, more business and customer facing. But I didn't yet know what that meant. When I arrived at Northwestern, I also had no idea what the words consulting or investment banking really meant. Uh, and I soon learned afterwards uh, a lot about those industries as well as many of the other professional industries. But I knew really almost from the beginning um, that those didn't strike me as, as something I really wanted to do personally. That's why I very much suggest people to always take a variety of internships, especially in college. It's a very safe way to explore and find out what you don't like, which is much easier and more valuable than what you do like. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I completely agree with you. I think it's important to be plastic and flexible in what you think you want to do after school. And if you take an internship in that field and it does not excite you and you don't think you want to continue, then try something else. Um, I think that's great advice. And it sounds like you were most interested in kind of getting practical hands-on advice rather than, um, or not rather than, but, um, I'd say rather than, yeah, okay. no, actually I, I definitely say, rather I than like classes more, and stuff. Sure. My academics. Yeah. And so how did you seek out getting, um, kind of hands-on experience in kind of the, the business and application world that you were interested in? I, I took to heart some good, uh, advice from actually a, a mentor in seventh grade all the way back in middle school, which was 
don't wait. Just dive in and start getting involved with a bunch of things. And you can always peel back. And I tried to do that at Northwestern as well, too. I ended up finding some activities that, that really meant a lot to me. I certainly encourage folks to try a lot in college, get out there, see what's there, and then realize what really is both most valuable to you um, and what you most enjoy and, and do those. And for me, that was an organization in Northwestern called Northwestern Student Holdings at the time, now, now Student Holdings. Um, there's different versions of it at other schools as well, too. And the, essentially, we were a student business group running real businesses, starting and, and running them, not just creating a pitch deck and saying, oh, I'd like to do this idea. Uh, but then actually taking the money within our organization and, and trying to make it real. Um, and that was by far the most transformative experience for me at Northwestern, uh, more so than all my classes combined. And, and the ways that I grew in that, th- there are many business lessons, I say, of having to learn how to, to hire and train a workforce and how to manage people, especially manage those older than me in, in an organization and finances. And, and um, I could get into all those details. And I think those are important. And what's, what was more important for me was the, um, uh, how it galvanized me, how I, I think I came out of it with a much deeper appreciation for, um, and I now look for this in the teams that I hire in, in my current role, managing some data analytics teams, is a, a sense of ownership. And I think that, for me, is one of the, one of the more important qualities of, of, of an entrepreneur or someone working in a startup space. because. You're not working in a, in a massive corporate company where there's all these checks and balances and performance reviews and um, the, 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 the bureaucracy of ensuring every little thing gets done. Things are going to slip through the cracks if someone doesn't step up to do it. Yeah, just to take a side tangent for a second. How do you identify um, someone or teams who take ownership, um, as you mentioned? It's a good question because it's very hard to do in interviews. Uh, the, the best way we can do that is having them talk through experiences and um, one thing um, that, that I look for is, is that spark that comes alive when someone is talking about experience. You can feel that they really they dug in and they explained not um, why they did it for any external reason, but why they were doing it internally. I want to dive back uh, to, I think you're a freshman when you're getting involved with student holdings. Um, you show up. How do you initially get involved and what type of businesses or companies uh, are kind of being incubated and run there? The way that I got involved was, so we were running um, the two businesses I was assigned to. One was a, a transportation business to the airport. This is going to sound archaic now because Uber did not exist back then. <laughs> so actually, this was a great business. It was highly profitable. Um, I used it. Other students used it. It was, it was very um, successful, chartering buses at, at set times between um, airports and, and college campus at, at, at the holidays. Uh, and that involved a lot of logistics as well as marketing. Um, this was my first foray into uh, what is commonly called now guerrilla marketing on campus of plastering the campus with posters and making funny videos and getting the right kinds of social media postings um, and, and email campaigns and understanding email analytics. Um, and this was very exciting. I think, I think taking on this kind of work, and you could do this in any format on a college campus, learning how to market to customers is, um, well, one, is, is very important if you want to learn how to grow a business or start a business, especially if you want to start a business because you will have to be the first marketer to do this. And I think the campus, um, uh, the, the campus grounds are a great, um, a great foray into this um, because one, it's a very unique customer base um, where you are both the customer um, and, and the customers are also your peers. In some ways, it's very homogenous where you're, it's a bunch of students who are um, within the same four years. And in some ways, it's incredibly diverse where you have tons of different kinds of students who have different interests and needs and, um, and, 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 and backgrounds and wants. 
Um, so it's a really fun way at the same time because you can, you can get fun with the marketing to learn how to, to market. Um, so, so that was one of the businesses. And then the other one, which um, very much became um, uh, my, well, my, my sort of business baby moving forward and the thing that I became so attached to was Boxco. And we were a storage and shipping company. So um, at, at the beginning and the end of the school year and over some holidays, we would uh, pick up students' items, store them, and then deliver them back in the, in, in the following year. And um, I was a part of this for, throughout my time at Northwestern. I ended up uh, leading part of the marketing team my freshman year. And then I ran the company in my sophomore year, which is by far the most transformative experience I had. What I ended up doing as, as a sophomore was learning how to run this business. And that involved managing a team uh, of a dozen um, other peers, uh, other students that were part of this management team, uh, hiring and training a workforce of about 90 um, uh, laborers, uh, other college students, um, high school students in the area, um, locals uh, to, to help run this business, um, this very manual business. Figuring out all the logistics for warehousing, inventorying, truck scheduling, pickups, um, and, and so on. Um, the marketing, again, of, of this, because there was a, a fierce competition with a couple other competitors on, on campus, uh, as well as the pricing and financing of this and making sure that it was a, it was a profitable enterprise. Um, so there was a wide variety of experiences that I, that I got to pull from. And I think that's one of the benefits of joining, um, in this case, a small company, essentially, rather than starting something fresh, um, as it had been a couple of years previously is um for me it was much more about operating at that point and growing rather than starting and so in my sophomore year um i ended up growing it from about 340 customers to over 840 customers and so it was less about hey does this idea work is there product market fit um and and what exactly we would do in this scenario was hey we, we know what we need to do and now let's just get much better at it and there was a ton to do i think that's the other thing going back to the earlier comment about sense of ownership is if you can tell in conver- you, you can tell in a conversation when someone is very passionate about whatever topic it might be, um, and so oftentimes, actually, and I'm, I'm skipping ahead when I'm when I'm um, now interviewing for, uh, uh, folks for my team managing, or actually, I was doing this yesterday for another team that I don't manage, just helping with some interviews. One of the questions I often always ask is, "What are you excited about learning next?" And I don't really care what they say; I care how they say it, and I and I care what they bring into that conversation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like it was a super valuable experience to you. I'm curious, though, you know, coming in as a sophomore to actually manage and run this company, manage a team, all these operations and stuff. Were you confident and comfortable doing that? Did you have imposter syndrome? Were you okay delegating tasks? Like what was kind of your mindset and how did that evolve throughout your experiences doing it? And then kind of what did you learn based on mistakes that you may have made? It's it's a wonderful question because I think I was too naive and, and, and too young back then to have imposter syndrome, which I can chuckle a little bit about now because actually I very much have felt that in my last couple of years managing in a much more serious uh, in, endeavor now in, in my current job and, and having imposter syndrome and working through that. And, and, and knowing that, I did not feel it back then. Back then, there were certainly times where I felt overwhelmed. I remember actually the first time I was meeting the chairman of our board and I'd, I was late. Uh, and I was late to the meeting. And I made some mistakes and he wasn't in a good mood. And I came back to my dorm room and I, I, I just started crying a little bit on my bed. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, what have I gotten myself into here? Luckily, it turns out the chairman, incredibly jovial fellow, very supportive. Um, and I had the right people around me. But, but that was the first thing I did was I began to realize I needed a support system. I was not good to begin with about knowing when to say I screwed up. And I think this is, this is a, a common problem. Especially back then, because I felt, oh, 
I, I mistook taking on more responsibility in leadership as therefore having to be more perfect. And in some ways, it's, it's actually, I think, the opposite to some degree. Or at the very least, there's more of a, more of a responsibility to, be, to speak up and to be transparent about where, where, where I needed help, where I made a mistake, and therefore set the right example for my team. As I was talking about earlier, I want to do that with my team too. I want to make sure that they can be vulnerable in the right way to have a kind of physiological safety. These are all things that I think oftentimes can get washed, brushed over as, as like, oh, you know, you need a really smart, hardworking team. And like, oh, it's also nice if they're like good people and they can do this other stuff. Um, sure, I, I need people to know how to do a particular task or, or actually who can learn how to do a particular task and, and have the right kinds of capabilities. Um, but, but this is much more fundamental. And if we go back to, to Maslow's pyramid, the idea of physiological safety, same thing in a workplace too and what we're doing. And that was challenging for me. Right. And so in addition to having this very, as you mentioned, transformative experience with uh, NSH, you also had some internships during the summer. Can you just describe briefly kind of what those were and, and how they ranked in comparison to um, your, your position with NSH? Certainly. So, so my, after my freshman summer, I worked at a, a small boutique consulting firm that worked with both nonprofits and for-profits to help create campaigns for the for- nonprofits sponsored by the for-profits. Frank, we did not learn that much that summer. Um, after my sophomore year, I worked at Medline Industries, which is a, a large national medical manufacturer uh, just north of Northwestern. Um, and that was in a more traditional industrial engineering uh, role. It was when I was still exploring. I was like, well, maybe actually I'll sort of go all in on this, on this IE thing and, and see what it'd be like. And, and I, I enjoyed the, the quantification of the, the, the business that I was seeing around me. It was, it was very tangible. I got to be in the warehouse pardon me, the manufacturing lines and go, I'd go down and work with and talk with the manufacturer um, and employees and, and understand what these numbers or these formulas I was working on would actually do in the real world. But I realized through that experience, well, okay, I knew before I didn't want to go into deeper engineering research or academia. Um, I learned I didn't want to do more of the um, uh, technical uh, application on the hardware side and the mechanical engineering. And now I realize I also I didn't want to do um, more traditional industrial engineering, but I like the concepts of it um, and, and how I was applying those frameworks. So then my junior summer, after my junior year, I worked at a company um, then called Context Media, now called Outcome Health. And that's the company I ended up actually joining um, a- after graduation. Um, and that was the first taste of what I mentioned earlier uh, in our conversation about diving in and just doing it all. But when I joined, I joined it was about 150 employees as an intern. And I have to say, there, that's, a, that's a beautiful size to join at because um, by the end of the summer, I knew, I knew everyone's name. Um, including the people who had been joining because the company was going quickly. And I got to try a variety of experiences and projects. Uh, and it was also small enough that the work I was doing was, was impactful. And that, that was really fun. So that, um, that was what sparked for me, or maybe cemented, I should say, my, my interest in working in both the tech sphere as well as working in the analytics space. But I began to realize, oh, I really love this idea of now applying some structured logic, some ideas, some rules uh, essentially, you could like if then statements, um, but more complicated to these business problems. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but just to take a, a step back for a second, um, you know, it sounds like you were super fortunate that your your first couple of summer internships, you learned those were things that you didn't want to do. And then your third one, you got really excited about analytics and tech and startups. Um, how did you get the opportunity to, to intern at Context Media slash Outcome Health? Well, I, I feel fortunate in that as well. Maybe I'm fortunate for the right being in the right place, but I but I certainly earned it. 
at the time, one of the founders of Context Media was on the board of Northwestern Student Holdings, the, the group that I was a part of. Um, she'd been one of the, the co-founders years past, and I'd been giving a, a board presentation on, on my work in Boxco. And I remember getting an email from uh, our, our chairman a couple of days later said, oh, Shrada would like to speak with you and, and chat. And I didn't know what she was doing or anything about the company. I was like, okay, sure. And we, we had a couple of good conversations. Um, and I wasn't really certain. And then um, a couple months later, she called me again and just offered me the internship. Um, I didn't really, I think we'd had a couple of interviews or conversations, but it wasn't really like an interview. Um, I, I learned then you can, you can be interviewing people um, even when they don't realize it um, in, in, in a good way. Um, and I certainly didn't know that back as, as a college student. And, and that's how I added it. So to me, I remember actually, um, because frankly, and this might you know be applicable for, for many students too, my outsized focus on my extracurriculars on Northwestern student holdings versus my academics. Um, well, one, uh, it was, it was clear in my grades, which, um, I, again, I wish I'd, I'd actually spent some more time on them, but also too, it then became clear to my parents. And so there's a, it was a point of contention. Uh, and so I will admit that being able to speak to, well, um, it literally got me my job, um, was, was helpful and, and of course anecdotal, but I think it is important to show that there can be many ways you can be prepared for work outside of uh, outside of college, um, and and there are many ways that you can demonstrate those values and uh, what you've gained out of it to others beyond just even the resume too. Because my resume bullet points for for Boxco, sure they might have been impressive to me a couple of years before where I realized I was going to be running a company that had hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue and hundreds of customers, but I don't think that's why Shrada hired me, or I don't think that's why, as I've said. Um, I felt more prepared moving forward. I think it was, it was the how I grew out of it and how I could speak to that and articulate that in a conversation. Yeah, to to use your terminology, um, I would guess that Shada also saw that spark in you and that ownership of your work with Boxco and your excitement for it. Well, thank you. Yes. And I think, um, again, being able to tell those stories is important. People talk about this as being a founder or a CEO and, and being able to tell a narrative. It's true. But uh, it's I think it's very uh, uh, cliche, but you're your own CEO. And in, in some ways that's, that's very true. Tell your own story and whatever that might be. As I said before, I don't, I don't really mind as much what people want to learn next. Um, I just love to see, to see that spark. And so you mentioned already that you ended up working, um, for the company after school as well. Did you get an offer at the end of the summer or how did that, um, opportunity come about to continue working with them? It was a moment of, of brief anxiety. I'll admit so I, I learned at Northwestern, I said at the beginning uh, that there became two jobs. There was consulting and iBanking. Of course, there, there are more. I also then began to learn that, oh, it's if you do a good job in, if you do well and in your junior year internship, then you should get an offer at that company and you'll be, you'll be set. And maybe you want to interview elsewhere, but at least you have one offer. And I thought I did a pretty darn good job and I was always getting good feedback from folks and everyone knew my name and I was doing a lot and running around the office. And then I had my, my final interview. I won't even call it an exit interview, just like, or, or sorry, final meeting with my boss, uh, who was a more, hmm, not, not a very traditional fellow. Um, and, um, and he, we just ended the meeting and there was no offer, just conversation. It was great. This is wonderful. Like have a, have a good weekend. And I walked out and I was like, hmm, that, that, that sort of felt weird. Um, so one, I learned then that you have to, you can never take your career path for granted. Um, you have to speak up about it. Turns out this individual, he, he didn't mean poorly. He didn't have that expectation. Again, he wasn't very experienced in this area. And so he, he didn't know he was supposed to be offering. But I had to also speak up in that case. And I started talking to folks like, hey, I, like, I think I should have at least we should have a conversation about this. I would like to work here again. What do you think? You, you seem to be very happy with me. 
And again, I think that was a very small, easy way of saying I need to speak up for for myself. So I ended up getting an offer. I remember actually they because they were growing so quickly. He um, <laughs> he tried to get me to drop out of college to join. Um, I'm very glad I didn't for for a variety of reasons. Um, I I can't counsel everyone on all their decisions, but for the most part, I think it is. Um, in this case, I will use the word prudent, prudent to to finish out an educational career and grow. Turns out I joined a year later and um, it still had an amazing experience. It was certainly um, uh, the right decision at the time. Um, I wasn't trying to be rash, uh, but I did also interview at some other places senior year because I learned in the same vein of trying different internships. I wanted to see what else was out there as well as then how would I compare it to, oh, now I got this offer from another company. Um, how do I really feel about that versus this the return offer? Um, and it made me at the end of the day um, feel much more comfortable actually about going back to to context media because I'd interviewed at a, a other companies. I got in an offer from from Capital One and I realized, oh, for these variety of reasons, this was actually the better opportunity for me to go back to context media. Um, and it gave me a lot more confidence to do that. And, and so I, I, I loved it. I got so involved. I, I was contributing a lot. I was growing. People seemed to be very happy with my work. I was getting very excited about it. And, and that led to a lot of great things, but it also led to uh, work-life balance or, or the lack thereof for me. This came to a head a couple times. I think I remember one time um, I, I burned out very hard. I hadn't really felt that sense before. I'd been working maybe 80-hour weeks, and I hadn't been taking as good care of myself physically. Uh, and I was just focusing on on work all the time. I'd go to bed slacking my boss. I'd wake up slacking my boss. I'd be doing fire drills all the time. Oh, the CEO needs this in three hours or four hours. Um, and it's, um, it's a good short-term high where I felt like, oh, I'm, doing, I'm contributing. I'm doing great. I'm doing all these things. I certainly didn't have the longer term perspective I have right now on both. But the other thing I wasn't doing is I wasn't thinking about, am I investing in myself the right way? And this goes back to my learnings from Northwestern Student Holdings early on. How much am I learning from this experience? How much am I just growing as an individual? What are the ways that my character is developing? Are, who are the people that I'm meeting, the experiences? And I wasn't thinking about that fully. I was, I was, I was certainly, um, I was giving too much to this case in the, in, in, to the company and I need to be more thoughtful about it. I think that's such an important uh, lens and perspective to to learn early in your career about how to evaluate opportunities. So you end up uh, working at that company for about a year and a half before you leave without having secured another job. Um, can you talk a little bit about that decision and what your job search process for um, your kind of second role was like? So the reason I left Outcome at the time, I could, I could talk about for, for a long time, but in short, it was the the company was was imploding for um for for fraud reasons for fraud allegations um things I was not a part of but the executives were and and I knew I didn't want to be a part of that place anymore and in fact I actually had been involved in in a lot of the cleanup work that customers have been asking for and it was very uh, it was incredibly stressful it was it was the one time I've ever snapped and and I think I and I broke down I had a horrible moment and that was when it really hit me that one I had to start taking better care of myself. Uh, life hopefully is a very long marathon and I cannot just sprint through it quarter to quarter, uh, or day by day. Um, and it's, it's just not sustainable. Um, nor of course, a, a, a fun or healthier and, and, um, positive way to live. Um, but what I realized was at the end of the day, for, for a variety of reasons, it was better for me to leave at that time and make that personal decision than wait for another opportunity. Um, now this is certainly a more unique instance, but I think it did teach me a lesson moving forward, which is Sometimes that's still the better decision, which is um, to to leave when you have the right kind of resolve, rather than wait for some external event or or, or, or push. I've talked about this now with some other friends in and frankly some in some private equity roles who um, 
know they're unhappy in it for, for their own reasons. And it's not just the, the industry, it's their own management ish, issues. They, they know they're unhappy in it. Um, and yet there's always another carrot. Oh, we get this bonus here. Oh, but there's this other deal coming up. It's always going to be true in, in whatever instance. And, and so I knew I had to, to make that decision. And it was hard. The reason it was hard is I then felt very uncertain. I was like, oh no, I'm suddenly unemployed. And I'd always felt um, I tied a lot of my, at that time, self-worth to that achievement. Um, and I think I, I like to think now I've, I've um, uh, diversified my, my, my findings or the roots of, of my self-worth um, beyond that. But at the time, it was, it was challenging. And so I ended up in a, in a three-month process of looking for, for a new job. Uh, a few things that, were, uh, that, 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 that came to mind there. One is it was very much about understanding uh, my network of people who I knew and more importantly, who they knew. So many folks who a friend of a friend of a friend who wanted to help out. You'll find that in, in your own searches. Let the computer do the work for you. Uh, humans are very good at creative thought. We're not, uh, as these analog machines, we are not great indi- uh, indices of, of all this information. So LinkedIn is amazing. Let LinkedIn figure out for you who knows who at this other company. Um, don't ask someone, oh, who do you know? Because I don't know that my middle school classmate happens to now work at a company with someone else who you want to go talk to. I would have no idea. But LinkedIn can figure that out for you or, or, or other programs. And so taking advantage of that and seeing what else is out there was important. Yeah. And so obviously you end up at Flexport. Um, how did you get connected to that opportunity? And what about it attracted you? Very lucky to have good friends from Northwestern. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Will Ginsburg, was a part of Northwestern Student Holdings uh, with me. And he knew another uh, uh, Northwestern alum, uh, Avery Alchuk, who was working at Flexport at the time. And we connected. Um, and Avery was incredibly nice to help me um, land the job. The reason that um, I was attracted to to Flexport was uh, I, I joke that the, the days of Boxel came back to me where I loved what we talk about at Flexport is the atoms, not the bits, and that we're moving real things uh, with with software. Um, but it's a very tangible experience. It's interesting that um, Student Holdings has effectively landed you both of your <laughs> jobs uh, after school. So I have a, a feeling I I know what the answer to this last question might be. But looking back, what advice would you give to yourself as a freshman as far as thinking about a career and how to, um, what activities to do or how to think about planning your career as a college student? It's a very good question. I think what would be important to me is I, I would want my earlier self to be more creative in thinking about the opportunities that are out there. And I think you have the opportunity as a student now in college to, to run a business that isn't profitable. Maybe you end up paying $100 a month to run that business because that that's what your that's what your PL is, but you learn so much throughout, or you try out this 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 new idea that that someone wouldn't fund otherwise. And so I would encourage folks to keep getting more creative with what's out there because that also then will encourage, I think, the realization that there are many more there are many more jobs out there or even professional opportunities than one might think. But to realize there's there's a lot of wonderful ways to uh, to earn a living and to and to make a living out of it. And frankly, I'm telling this advice to myself right now, too, as I think about how can I extract even more fulfillment out of my own work? I don't think I'm 100% there yet. I don't think any of us ever do get there. But I think what's important is to keep striving towards that and find work that matches even more of what I'm looking for. Learning and applying that early on in college, I think, is important. Otherwise, it can be hard to take the horse blinders off. I think that's great advice. Um, I could continue to talk to you and ask questions for hours, not only because you have great uh, perspective and experience and advice, but you also have a great voice for radio or podcast. But uh, ah, <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure chatting with you too. We could we could keep this. Let me know if there's a, a, a sequel. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks so much for your uh, time and advice, David. Good luck. <laughs>
My pleasure. Have a good one. Bye. If there's one lesson I would take away from David, it's the value of finding something to take ownership of and how that spark can open up opportunities in your future. Even if a startup idea you work on doesn't yield a financial windfall, the lessons you take away and a passionate story you'll be able to tell others will lead to unpredictable opportunities in your future. So if you have an idea you're excited to work on, I encourage you to just get started. How I Got Here is a podcast from the Garage at Northwestern and is produced by Melissa Kaufman, Ben Williams, and Elizabeth Wright. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform.